This morning, if you would, grab a Bible and turn to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to get on our third lesson on fasting. And I know this is going to seem strange at first about how in the world I'm getting fasting from this scripture right here. But just trust me, hang in there. I'm going to show you a little something this morning if the Lord sees fit for you to see it. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through, let's do verses 1 through, actually let's do verses 7. Let's just do verse 7. That'll be good enough for this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. God's kind of, he's changing just a few things on me. I, I, it's still, he ain't, doing, he ain't doing nothing that I that he ain't giving me the, the knowledge and ability to go with. But I, you just have to apologize if I have to look for a few scriptures this morning. I don't have everything just together. But 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is what it reads. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Who's he talking about when he says dwell with them with understanding? Husbands, dwell with who? Dwell with your wives with understanding. All right, now somebody says, what does that have to do with fasting? Well, I'll put it to you like this. If you don't dwell with them with understanding, you might be made to fast. So listen to us real good this morning. Husbands likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel or as to the one that was not made in the same frame as man is. Now I know some of our wives out here, they, we got to watch out for them. They could take us down if they wanted to. But for the most part, God created woman to be of a different frame, to be of a different statue. And when he says to give honor, dwelling with them, as giving honor as unto the weaker vessel, he's talking about to their female frame and who, who he has made them to be in gentleness and purity. And he says, as being heirs together of the grace of life, and here's the key part this morning, that your prayers may not be what? Hindered. You may be seated. Father, we come to you this morning. God, we cast ourselves to the side to put you in front of what we do, God. Lord, this morning I ask you to guide the steps of everything that is said, Father, everything that you want spoken from this word. God, I'm going to follow you this morning. Father, I'm not going to take my ability and try to do anything and then have you try to back me up. God, I want you in front and I'm going to follow behind you. And God, no matter how it comes out or no matter what it sounds like, Father, I know that you are going to speak what you won't spoke this morning. And I know that that is when your power will be manifested for all of us to see. And God, I just pray that this morning that your word would be anointed to speak to the hearts of all of the people that are here this morning. God, we yearn for your power. God, we yearn for you to be in control, Father, because we want to see you glorified, God. And Father, we hand this over to you. Holy Spirit, I ask you, take control this morning. We give it to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Apparently there are some things in our lives that can hinder our prayers, correct? 
Before I dwell in too much of that for just a little bit, I want to back up and give you just a small recap of where we've been on fasting so far. Have you gained a better understanding of fasting since we started this? All right. If you'll remember, the first thing we started with was what is fasting? We found out that fasting is evidence or it's proof that we desire God and obedience to Him rather than the desires of our flesh. It is the proof that we would rather follow Him in obedience than fulfill what our flesh wants, whether it be good or bad. It is known to be evidence from Scripture, from Genesis twenty-two twelve, where Abraham took Isaac up to sacrifice him. He was not willing to withhold anything of his from God. And right before Abraham killed Isaac, the angel came and he stopped him and he said, Abraham, don't lay a hand on him for now I know. Now I know that you love me and that you fear me and that you will submit to me. It is evidence. God requires evidence even though he knows your heart inside and out. Deuteronomy chapter 8 told us that God allowed them to hunger in the wilderness. He humbled them and allowed them to hunger to know what was in their heart. To see if they would keep his commandments instead of yearning for the things of the flesh. So fasting is evidence for God to know what is in your heart. Whether you will follow him or whether you will submit to your fleshly desires. That's what fasting does. It is the works of your faith. Fasting is also a spiritual training exercise. It teaches your flesh that it is not in control. Prime example of this, when you sit down behind the dinner table, you know it's time to stop. But what do you do? You pull up air closer and you go for another round. You feed that flesh the desire that it wants instead of controlling that flesh and saying, this is as far as you can go. Fasting teaches you to control the flesh. We see that from 1 Corinthians 9, 27, 2 Corinthians 6, 5, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. You should already have all these scriptures. Next week, I'm going to hand you out a sheet that details everything that I have taught from here on out so that you can have it. It's just in case you didn't get it all in your notes. Also, there's CDs out there that you can listen to, pause it, and actually take better notes if you'd like to do that. They're out here on the desk in the foyer, or you can see Tim Guthrie, and he'll get them for you. After learning what is fasting, we learned how to fast. Last week we learned that fasting is denying the flesh of its pleasantries. Daniel said that he ate no pleasant food. In other words, he ate no meat, no wine. He didn't, he didn't allow his flesh to, to get the things that it desired. He abstained from pleasantries. For some people that could be meat. For some people that could be vegetables. For some people that could be uh, TV. Or, or There's so many things out there that, does, that your flesh desires. Those are the things that can train your flesh to be under your control. If you fast from those things. We saw in Isaiah 58.3 that God said he was not accepting their fasting because they were indeed finding pleasure in their fasting instead of denying the pleasure in their fast. During this time of abstaining from pleasure, Daniel was setting his heart to seek after God and to submit him. We found out at the end of Isaiah, 50, or at the, Isaiah 58 verse 5 that fasting God's way is a time when you take away your fleshly pleasures to humble it and to submit fully to God's desires. After that, we learned how long to fast. I'm going through these quickly. We learned that we fast until God answers. Daniel said he fasted 21 days. Do you think when Daniel started, he planned on 21 days? No. 
He fasted 21 days because that was how long it took before God answered what he was fasting for. He fasted for as long as it took until God answered. Or you fast until the spirit is strong and the flesh is weak. Then you know you have fulfilled your purpose. You fast as an as a actual daily discipline from time to time so that it learns to submit to you. Just like you go into the gym and exercise, your muscles are trained and they learn to lift more and lift more. And the stronger your spirit becomes, the better your fasting is working. You fast to kill and subdue the fleshly desires. So basically you fast until it is easy for you to submit to God. How many of you fall short every single day? Fasting is for you. Listen to me. Fasting is to bring you to that place that God means for you to be. I went back and read in some old early Christian documents back in the first century and come to find out fasting was such a regular practice that they actually believed for someone not to fast that they were number one sinning and they believed that there was no way that they could ever grow into maturity without fasting. They honestly believed that. They believed that it was impossible for a person to grow into spiritual maturity without fasting. And the more I study it, guess what? I believe it too. Fast until your physical health is in danger. God didn't give fasting to us to kill the body. The purpose is not to kill the body. The purpose is to kill the fleshly desire, to subdue it and bring it under control. So how long do you fast? Fast until God answers. Fast until the spirit is strong and the flesh is weak. Or fast until your physical health is in danger. Then it's time to come off to abstain for a while and get back at it when you're able to once again. The key to it is being honest with yourself. Here's a reminder that I wrote down that I want each of you to think about. As you fast, out of habit, you will mistakenly eat something. Out of habit, you will mistakenly forget, go to the refrigerator, open that thing up, and grab you something out of there. Out of habit, you will go in, and first thing you'll do after you get off work is flop on the couch and hit the remote and cut the TV on, out of habit. And before you know it, you'll think about what you're doing and go, oh, no, I've just ruined the whole fast. No. Cut the TV back off. Put the stick of bologna back into the refrigerator. Put your crackers back in the cabinet. All right? And then get back on your track where you're supposed to be because that is the training process that you teach your flesh. Okay. You got one over on me, but guess what? I'm still in control, and I'm cutting you off from this moment forward. You have to continue this training process. It's during these times that you will learn and see how easily the flesh controls you. You think that God is in control of you? Fast for a little while. You know what you're going to find out? It's a painful admission that indeed God is not in control. The flesh is in control. And fasting is going to help you come out of that situation. Fasting is not a foreign doctrine that you ought to be scared of. Listen, I don't care how old you are. Go back and, and, and read about the, uh, the prophetess Anna that served in the temple day and night. You know what she did at 88 years old? 88 years old, you know what she did day and night? Fasting and praying. 88 years old. She was still teaching her flesh at 88 years old. Fasting ain't just for young people. Fasting is for all spiritual people that are trying to grow into everything God wants them to be. This morning, I'm going to make it as short as I can and still get everything that God wants in. In order to understand when to fast, 
Here's what I want you to know this morning. When do I fast? In order to know when to fast in your life, you need to know one more thing about what fasting is. Fasting is an intensification of your prayer life. I'm going to prove it from Scripture here in a minute. Fasting is always went along during intense times of prayer because fasting is an intensification of your prayer. Fasting is something that when you add it to your prayer, it's like taking a baseball, throwing it up the air and taking the bat and knocking a home run as far out as you can knock it. That's what fasting does to your prayer life. It's going to shoot your prayers off into the ears of God faster and harder and louder than anything else you can do in your life. And listen, it's not because of what you're doing. It's because you're following the prescription that God gave you to fulfill this in your life. God gave you fasting for this very purpose. Fasting is an intensification of your prayer life. The Bible teaches us that there are things that hinder our prayer life, right? There are things that cause our prayers to not be heard by God. There are things in our lives that will slow our prayers down. There are things in our life that if I'm comparing it to baseball and knocking home runs, they make your prayers look like bunts. You know what a bunt is, don't you? I don't know how many baseball fans we've got in here, but basically it's instead of swinging, you just stick the bat out and the ball just hits it and falls right down in front of where it just landed from. Without fasting, many of your prayers are like bunts. You add fasting to your prayers, you're going to hit some home runs. I'll prove it to you. I want to show you a few other things that hinder our prayer life first. First off, you saw that husbands mistreating wives hinder your prayer lives, right? He said, husbands, if you do not treat your wives and dwell with them with understanding, your prayers are going to be hindered. You know why that is? If you remember in the book of Matthew chapter 5 or 6, I think it is, he said, brethren, if you bring your gift to the altar or if you come to give a prayer up to God or you come to serve God in some kind of ministry and then there you realize that there is aught between you and one of your brethren, you know what he said do? Leave your gift there. Because if you try to give your gift to God, if you try to give your prayer to God and you're holding something in your heart against your brethren, guess what? Your gift ain't going to be no good. You might as well leave it at the altar and then what he say do? Go back to your brother. Get reconciled between them. Then come back. Give your gift to God because that's when God will accept your gift. What does this say to us this morning? It says this. Broken relationships hinder our prayers. Broken relationships hinder us being able to bring our gift to God, whether it be prayer, no matter what it is, unless we have things right with our fellow man in our heart, then we cannot freely give God our prayers and expect Him to have His ears open to us to hear them. The reason why? The Bible said freely He has relieved you of everything that you had against Him or that He had against you. He took it all away. And freely He expects you to do or He commands you to do the same thing. You freely give 
forgiveness, mercy, kindness, grace. You give all of those things because God has freely given them to you. And if you do not do that and you hold things in your heart toward any of your brothers and sisters, then your prayers will stop here at the altar and they might get to God, but it's going to be like a bunt. They will be hindered. I'll show you another scripture just to back up my point. Look with me, if you would, to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 12. Actually, let's do Psalm 34, 13 through 15, I believe is what I need. Psalm 34, verse 13 through 15. I want you to think about this. The psalmist says in verse 13, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And here's why. The eyes of the Lord are on the what? The righteous. And look at this next part. And his ears are what? Are open to their cry. He goes on and he says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Let's go to verse 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord what? His ears are open when they cry out. He hears them and he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and he saves such as has a contrite or a humble broken spirit. Basically what God is saying here is this. My ears are open to the ones who will practice righteousness. My ears are open to the ones who will come to me in a humble heart, in a broken spirit. My ears are open to that, and if they're open to that, then the opposite is also true. They are closed to the ones that are practicing unrighteousness. My ears are closed to the ones that are not coming to me in a broken and contrite spirit. My ears are open and I hear the ones that are lining themselves up in humbleness with my ways and with what I expect for them to do. My ears are open to them. If that is the case, then we see that we our broken relationships hinder our prayer life. We see that not practicing righteousness in our life hinders our prayer life. We see that, that not having a humble and a broken spirit hinders our prayer life. And if, if oppressing people, if having broken relationships, if being unmerciful, unforgiving, unloving, submitting to the flesh and disobeying God, if all those things hinders our prayer life, if falling short every single day, day after day, falling to the same things of the flesh every day, hinders our prayer life, then that means that fasting puts us in a place to intensify our prayer lives. Think about this. Fasting is what humbles your spirit. Fasting humbles your flesh. Fasting puts a broken and contrite heart. Fasting is what puts you in a place of humbleness. It puts you in a place to submit to God and do His ways. And when you fast, 
If everything opposite of fasting hinders your prayer life, then it can only be true that fasting intensifies your prayer. I can prove it to you from several scriptures. First off, let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. This is a very well-known scripture. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14. Remember, my statement is that fasting puts ourselves in a place to intensify our prayers. Think about it. In fasting, we humble ourselves, right? How many times you read in the scripture that I, I humbled my soul with fasting? Ezra, David in the book of Psalms, they understood that, that fasting is how they humbled themselves before God. In fasting, we humble ourselves. In fasting, we submit to God because we refuse the flesh. That means we can only be submitting to God while we're refusing the flesh. In fasting, we do His will by showing mercy and love and walking in righteousness. In fasting, your spiritual antennas are up as high as they will go and you're watching what the flesh is doing. That don't happen every day, does it? But in fasting, it does. In fasting... It's going to be hard for your flesh to control you because you're controlling your flesh in fasting. But look at first, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will what? How do you humble yourself? In fasting. If they will humble themselves and pray and then what? Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then what will God do? In other words, in fasting we humble ourselves. In fasting we seek His face. In fasting we turn from our wicked ways and submit wholly to Him. And when we do that, in fasting, God says, I will... My ears are open to you. In fasting, because you're following the prescription that the doctor, the great physician, has given you in order for his ears to be open to you. Fasting intensifies our prayer. He says, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from unrighteousness, then I will hear all these things are done in fasting. In Isaiah 58, they actually questioned God. They said, God, why have we fast and you have not what? They recognized that fasting was the prescription that God gave them for him to open his ears to their prayers. It wasn't something that Ezra or Nehemiah had to stand up and convince the people. They knew in fasting God opens his ears to hear my prayer. It ain't a bunt. It's a home run. In fasting, look at think about Daniel chapter 10 verse 12. You read it last week. He said, from the first day, this is what the angel said to Daniel. He said, from the first day that you set your heart to seek God and humble yourself, your words were what? From the first day that you fasted, that you set your heart to seek after me, from the first day that you humbled yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come. Because of your words. Ain't that something? How many times have you been on these knees right here or at your house and you thought, God, you're not even hearing me. Is, is he even listening? How many of us go weeks without praying? 
That right there is evidence that you don't believe God's listening to what you're saying. If you did, you'd be asking him for what you need, right? If you know he's the only place that you can get it, he's the one you're going to go to. Fasting opens, your, opens God's ears to hear your prayers. Fasting did this right here. Your words were heard because of this, and I have come because of your words. Just like our prayers can be hindered by the fleshly ways, our prayers can also be intensified by fasting, by denying the flesh, and by submitting to God. He opens his ears and he hears what we say. Anybody in here this morning need God to hear your prayers? Guess what? You are forsaking one of the greatest tools that God has given you to open his ears. We need to learn the spiritual exercise of fasting and begin to practice it. Knowing that fasting intensifies prayers, when should we fast? That was my question. In order to answer the question, when should we fast, you need to understand that fasting is an evidence and a proof that you desire God more than your fleshly ways and your fleshly desires. In order to understand when to fast, you need to understand that fasting is a spiritual exercise that teaches your flesh to submit to you and not to submit to its desires. In order to understand when you need to fast, you need to understand that fasting intensifies your prayer life. So knowing those three things, here we answer, when should we fast? Well, if you go back and read the early church and the commandments that they would write down in the didac or however you pronounce that thing, the teaching of the 12 apostles to the churches, if you were to go back and read that, they would say to you, don't fast like the hypocrites or like the Pharisees do, for they fast on the second and the fifth days of the week, but you do your fasting on the fourth and on the sixth day of the week. In other words, on Wednesday and on Friday. So they believed that it was best for an early Christian to fast two times per week. Now granted, the Bible does not give you a specific schedule for fasting. The Bible does not say that you should fast this, 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 and this day. The Bible had a fasting schedule in the Old Testament law, but now fasting is done according to the spirit of the heart. Now fasting is done according to when it needs to be done in your life. If fasting is evidence or proof of your faith, then wouldn't you say that there are times in your life on a regular basis that you just need to be fasting? Wouldn't you say that if fasting is a spiritual exercise that, that teaches your flesh to submit to God and not to its desires, wouldn't you say that if you're falling daily to the same things over and over again, wouldn't you say that fasting needs to be something that is a regular practice in your life? Whether it's once a week, whether it's twice a week, you need to determine what is best for you. But listen, your flesh is already fighting you just hearing this this morning. Once a week, oh my goodness. Whew. I can't do it on Wednesday because we go eat before church on Wednesday night and Friday nights is out of the question because you know we got to go to Wings in Huntsville and eat them big cheese fries and get some of them wings and, and, and Lord, Saturday's Red Lobster night. We can't miss out on endless shrimp, my friend. I mean, it's endless. I can ask for as much as I want. And Lord, Monday night, oh goodness, that's whenever we invite people to come over and we, we sit down and we talk and we sit, sit over food and we eat. Oh, you know, I just don't know when we're going to work this fasting in, Nick. Your flesh is already trying to talk you out of it. 
Your flesh is telling you that the new season of swamp people is fixing to come on. Ain't no way I'm missing T-Roy jerking Leviathan up out of the swamp. It ain't happening. Your flesh is already telling you all these things about why you cannot put yourself on a schedule of fasting. Yes, you can. That's all the more reason why you need to fight that thing and start putting yourself on some type of fasting schedule. Pick you a day of the week or two days of the week or something. Get yourself on a schedule that benefits your spiritual man. I'm going to tell you, next week after you see the rewards and the fruits of fasting, (laughs) your flesh ain't going to be thinking twice about fasting. When you see all the things that God gives, and yes, it is reward. It is reward for fasting. I'll prove it to you next week. But when you see this, you're going to want to fast Seven days a week if you could. You're going to want to. First off, when do I fast? I'm going to sum it up by saying this. Fasting ought to be a regular practice in your life. You have to decide when that's going to be. It ought to be a regular activity or practice or discipline that you do on a schedule that best suits your spiritual needs. So that's first and foremost. However... There are also times that you add more fasting to any instance in your life that would require intense prayer. The Old Testament people and the New Testament Christians, they all understood that fasting was a regular practice in their life. But then there were certain things that would come up in their life that they knew required intense prayer. And because of that, they would add fasting to their prayer life just to shoot that prayer on up there because remember what God said to his people in Isaiah 58? He said, you shall not fast as you do this day to make your words be heard on high. In other words, even God said through fasting, it shoots your prayers up to me, but if you don't fast my way, your words will not be heard on high. You have to fast for my purpose, for my understanding, for my teaching, for what I prescribed it to you for. And then you will hear. So when when do I fast in my life? Any moment in your life that requires intense prayer. Give you a few examples. Look at 2 Chronicles 20 verse 3. And I'm almost done. I've got like three or four examples I'm going to take you through. And that's all I've got for this morning. So... 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. Basically, just a little foreground of what's going on here. King Jehoshaphat is being outnumbered by an innumerable crowd. Matter of fact, when he looks at this crowd, if you'll look with me down in verse 12 first, and we'll go back to 3, look at what he said about this great multitude in verse 12. He said, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have what? No power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we even know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You ever been in a situation like that in your life? Lord, I got no power over this thing in my life. Lord, this thing is coming against me in my life, and I have no control over it whatsoever. You ever felt that way, Ronnie? Ain't nothing I can do about this, Nick. It is in my life and I have no control. I have no power against this great multitude that's coming. I don't even know what to do. But look what he said. 
our eyes are upon you. And look how he done that. Look in verse 3. 2 Chronicles verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared. He set himself to seek the Lord. And how did he do it? He proclaimed a what? A fast throughout all of Judah. And look at verse 4. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Fast to intensify your prayer when you're in a situation that you have absolutely no power over. That's when fasting is added to your regular fasting practice. And I promise you, your words will be heard from on high when you do it God's way. Another example, Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 18. Listen to what he says. This is Moses after, after the children of Israel have sinned by giving all God's credit to a golden calf. They're worshiping a golden calf for everything that God has done. And here's what Moses said. Moses says, And I fell down before the Lord as at the first. Forty days and forty nights I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sins which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke Him to anger. And look at verse 19. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. You see what happened? Moses fasted and he prayed because he knew that he was having to intercede for someone else. There's going to be times in your life that you're not personally affected by this thing, but somebody next to you, your family, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, somebody, your best friend, they've got something that has happened in their life that's going on in their life, and there's nothing you can do about it, but you can fast and you can pray to God. And look what he said happened. But the Lord, what? Listen to me at what? That time also. You fast when you need to intercede for somebody. Whenever it's something going on that's out of your control in someone else's life. Look at 2 Samuel verse chapter 1 verse 12. 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 12. Another time when you fast. This is one that you see a lot throughout the Old Testament right here. They fasted many times throughout this. 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 12. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. Why'd they fast? Somebody close to them had died. They fasted as an expression of their sorrow. They fasted and they prayed, God, we need your peace. We need your comfort right now. What did he say in, I can't even remember what book it was in the New Testament. He said, I will give you the peace that passeth all understanding, but it only comes from him. It only comes from prayer, and it only comes from fasting. Even Jesus himself told his disciples when they tried to cast out a demon, and they come back and said, Jesus, we can't get this dude to leave. What's going on? Jesus said, well, this kind can only come out by prayer and Fasting. Now, if you have an NIV version, you won't have that because NIV decided they wanted to take fasting completely out of the Bible. So if you have that, you won't have fasting in your Bible. It will only say this kind can only come out by prayer. 
Yes, I am against the NIV version. I ain't a King James only Southern Baptist hellfire brimstone and all that other stuff y'all talk about. But I believe if you're going to translate the Bible, put all the words in it. Don't just put in what you want in it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. That's a whole other message. I ain't even preached it yet. Fasting when you are mourning the loss of a loved one, asking God to give comfort and give peace. Fasting makes your words be heard on high, and He will give you the peace that passeth all understanding. It don't even make sense to you. You go, why do I have so much peace right now during this time? It don't even make sense why I'm so peaceful right now. Let me tell you, it's the power of God, and it can come through fasting. A couple more things, I'm done. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. The book of Joel, y'all may not be able to find that. It's kind of hard to find, but if you don't get to it quick, just look up on the screen. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. Listen to what he said. This is God speaking through Joel. Now therefore, says the Lord, Joel, I'm sorry, uh, Tim. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Turn to me with fasting. Turn to me with weeping and with mourning. And so rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and He relents from doing harm. Here's another time in your life when you need to fast. When you've got sin in your life that God means to do you punishment and discipline for it. He says, listen, turn to Him with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. When you need to repent of your sin, fast. Fast and you ask God for mercy, you ask God for forgiveness and when you do, you will be rending your heart and not your garments. You'll return to the Lord your God for He is gracious, He is merciful, He is slow to anger and He is of great kindness and He relents from doing harm. You know what that means? That means that some of the consequences from your sin can be turned around by fasting. Anybody in here ever had to suffer the consequences for your sin? He said through fasting, some of those consequences can be turned around. God can relent from the harm that He meant to do because of our sin. But He says, it only happens when you turn to Me with all your heart with fasting. So when repenting and grieving for sin in your life, you fast. Acts chapter 13 is my last one. Now, I've got so many more, but I'll put, try to put them on the little thing I'll give you next week. Acts chapter 13 when should we fast in our lives? Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Actually, let's go with verse um, 2. It says, As they ministered to the Lord, and what? Hmm, this is after Jesus has, has done ascended to be with the Father. You mean Christians were still fasting after that? As they ministered to the Lord and they fasted, look what happened. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. <coughs> when do you fast? You fast when you need to have specifics from God. 
when you need to hear the voice of God more clearly, has there ever been a time in your life when you say, God, you got to speak up because I just can't hear what you're saying right now. I don't understand what you're trying to do in my life right now. When you need to hear the voice of God more clearly, look what happened. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit what? He said, and it was not a question of, what would you say, God? I didn't hear you. No, he said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work of the ministry for which I have called them. In other words, he gave specific direction and he spoke in a voice that was so clear that they knew exactly what God wanted. I'm going to close with this right here because the reason I started this fasting series was because God told me some time ago, if you want specific instruction from me, if you want specific direction from me, if you want to know what plans and purposes I have created for Wells Baptist Church, not just your ideas and the things that you think are good and the things that you want to do, but if you want to know what my purpose, my plan, my direction is, you're only going to get it through one thing. You know what that thing is? Fasting and praying. As we fast and pray in this church, God is going to speak. And he's going to give specific direction. I want to give you this example that happened to me this last week. Sunday night, for those of you that were in here, I know many of you were in Juana's, but we had, a, we had several that were in here. I talked to you about prayer and the confidence in praying the will of God. And I went home that night and I realized that I've been asking the church to get ready to pray and fast for direction from God, for specific instruction about what he would want done concerning missions. But you know, I hadn't started myself yet. So I went home Sunday night and I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, Lord, forgive me. I want to know what you want. I'm going to set my plans because I done come up with all kind of plans. Buddy, I, done, I mean, I done had all kind of things that we could do in this community to, for the glory of God, but it ain't God's plan, it's my plan. So I said, God, you show me your plan. Show me what you want. I'm going to set my stuff to the side. I'm going to fast for you. I'm going to pray to you, and I want you to give me specific instruction. You know what happened Monday morning before I even got up out of bed? The phone rung, and I sent it to ignore because I'm sleeping. I don't usually answer it when I'm asleep, so I just sent it to ignore. Y'all know who it is. Bless him, that's right. I sent it to ignore, and they left me a voicemail. A man that has never called and asked me for anything since I've been ministering. He leaves me a message. He says, Kevin Wells, this, this is Ben Gooch with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I'd just like to, um, I don't know if you can help me with it or not, but he said, we need some help with the mission of uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, I'd just like for you to call me back. Let me talk to you and tell you a little bit about what we do. I'd like to come to your church and share with them about what we're doing in Giles County and Lawrence County for the glory of God. So I, I got up right then. I said, Lord, I better call him back. So I called him back and I said, Ben, what can I help you with? He said, well, it's not much. It's just something simple, but you don't know what kind of impact it'll make for the glory of God in Giles County. He said, I need $84 a month from, from Wells Baptist Church. $84 a month is all I'm asking for. He said, if you can help me with $84 a month, it'll do this, it'll do that, it'll do this. And, and he began to tell me, I want to come and share it with your church at what it'll do. I said, Ben, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think God may be speaking to me because I prayed and asked for this very thing last night. Listen, when we start fasting and praying the way that God would have us to do, he's going to speak. And it ain't going to be no question about what he wants 
or how he wants it. It ain't going to be your plans. It ain't going to be your ideas. It's going to be his purpose, his direction, his power, and his provision that drives it. But it'll only come through fasting and through prayer. I ask you this morning in your life, have you ever been in any of those situations that I just talked about where you needed to pray intensely? Not like your daily prayer, Father, hallowed, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. No, but instead the prayer where you get down and say, God, I need you. And if you don't show up, I have no power against this thing that's in my life. Have you been in that situation? I want to say to you, consider fasting. Consider fasting and watch the ears of God open up and watch the provision of God come in your life. I want you to know in Jehoshaphat, after he said, we have no power against this army, but our eyes are on you, you know what happened? They beat them singing praise. God said while they were singing praise, marching along the way, the other army just got scared and ran off. Ain't that something? God will provide everything you need to get you through the thing that you have no power against. But he does it through his doctor's prescription of fasting. Been to the doctor lately? Boy, they give you all kind of medicine, don't they? Here, take this, take this, take this. Listen, the doctor of God, the great physician, says to you, fast. Fast and watch what I do. Fast and watch your healing break forth like the morning light. That's next week. That's rewards of fasting. Shirley, come on up. I'm going to open this altar up for, for prayer and for whatever you need to take care of in your life. I ask you to examine yourself and... I just pray that God spoke to you. I don't care how many come to this altar and kneel down. I pray that God spoke to you this morning and said, I need this in my life, God. I need it in my life and I need it desperately for your power, for your glory. Y'all stand as we give the invitation this morning.